welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Today we have our guest minister Pastor Lenu Williams bringing the word on how we are made to build. Do listen as she shares a powerful story from the life of Nehemiah. So Father, we just want to say thank you. Thank you Father that you are already here. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory that is here. We thank you God that you have given us access to come straight to the Father's lap to come straight without any without any reservations and we want to say thank you. Father, you are worthy. You are worthy of everything, God. You're worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our of our praise. You're worthy of our thanksgiving and we thank you. We thank you in this place, God. We thank you, Father God, that the hearts of the people are prepared to receive from your word, Father. God, I just surrender ourselves. I surrender myself into your hands. We thank you that every word that comes out will not be from the flesh, but will be from you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, we're just going to start from Genesis chapter 2, verses 15. And it's a familiar verse for us. Um, it says, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it, right? So this is what we see in the beginning of creation. He made a garden, he placed Adam in it. And he put Adam in the garden for one job, and that was to tend the garden and to take care of it. Now, this got me thinking, I was like, okay, God, when he made the garden, he made it ready, right? Adam did not have to come and plant um, trees, he didn't have to come and do anything. It was all ready and it was all set. So then why did God, who made such a beautiful garden with everything in it, not make it self-sustaining, right? Like where the, the garden takes care of itself, where there does not need to be somebody to tend it, to remove the bad stuff, to add the good stuff, to protect it. Why did God not make it self-sustaining? And I think the reason why is because God wanted Adam to build. Okay, so God we know is a builder. God the Father is a builder. He is a builder of everything that is broken. He is a builder. He is in the job of building things. He's not a God that would leave a mess, see a mess and go buy it, right? If there needs to be a, a body that needs to be healed, he goes in there and he heals it. He's the one that builds, he's a builder. And even right now as we stand here, Jesus is building. Jesus is building a place for us. And so this is why I think God, he wanted Adam to build. Because that's in God's DNA himself, right? God is a builder. And we, as sons and daughters of God, are called to build. Even though we don't sometimes realize that, we are called to build. So he said here, he said, Adam, go ahead and tend the garden. Now when we tend something, when we tend to something, we are actually building it, right? So if we take what God has entrusted in our hands and we tend it, what happens? It slowly gets built, rock by rock, brick by brick, you get to build it. So in the same way, whenever God has put something in our hands, it is for us to, to build, it is for us to tend. And the opposite is true as well. If we don't tend to what God has put in our hands, we end up destroying it, right? So if you look at Proverbs 14.1, it says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears it down. Yeah, Jude 20 says, but ye beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So this doesn't seem to be like a suggestion given to us. If you want to build, you can build. Right? It says you have to build. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Build yourself up in the Holy Spirit. So this is the mandate that, has, that God has been given to us, is to build. Each of us are entrusted with something in our hands. None of us have 
come here empty-handed. We might think, yeah, you know, we've, we've got nothing in our hands to give. We've got nothing to build. But each of us have something that God has given us, just like that example of the talents. Like God's, uh, the parable that Jesus said, to one he gave five, to the other he gave two, and to the other he gave one. See, even the last person had something. He had one that he needed to tend. What are we doing with what God has given us in our hands? See, if you tend to your spirit man, right, you're building a habitation for God, right? If you tend to your emotions, your emotions and your soulish realm, what you end up doing is you are building up a healthy individual that will not be bound to unhealthy patterns. So there is that spirit man that we need to take care of. There is our soulish realm, our emotions that we need to take care of. And many a times we think, okay, emotions is not important. You know, it's just a spirit man and our body. But our soul is important as well. Our emotions is important as well. And as we take care of that and as we tend to that, we are not bound to unhealthy patterns. We are not kept slaves to things that actually trap us. We are able to receive easily from God because we are not under slavery to things that we don't even know, right? Um, when you tend to your body, what's happening? We are building and we are stewarding this temple of God. That's also an important part. We steward the temple of God. When we tend to our finances, we are actually building towards a debt-free life. How many of us know that that is important? Finances is very important, right? Like many of us have, um, like if you look at families, the main tension point is finances. As we tend that, that is important to tend. So let's learn, how do we tend the finances God has given us? Because as we tend to it, we are building towards a debt-free life. And as a result of that, we are not in lack. And there is a freedom when we are not in lack. Right? There is, we are free to do what God has called us to do. We're not stuck down because we think, oh, we don't have the finances for it. There is a blessing that comes with that as well. As we tend to our children, we are building up a godly generation. And how important is that? The little ones right now, right? We may not, some of us may not have children right now, but God has put children in our lives where we can influence. Um, how do we tend them? Because as we tend them, we build up a godly generation, a generation that, that is the purpose of family, right? God put family and said, go multiply, be fruitful. Why? So that God can have a godly generation that would actually lift his name up. And you know, when God talked to the Israelites, he always said to them, he made it short that he's told them, you know, all these miracles that you guys are seeing, Talk and tell your future generation. Tell the next generation and command them to tell the generations after them. So it kept going. The testimonies kept going. Why? Because that built up a godly generation for them. It built up in their mind that there is a God. Because when they looked around the nations, there are gods that they can follow. But what made them, what made those gods different from the God that they served? Right? It was those testimonies, the ones that they heard from their parents, from their grandparents. So as we tend to our children, we build up a godly generation. Now when we tend to our worship, even when no one is looking, not just out in Sundays, but at home, and no one is looking, just like David, he was out in the field, no one was looking when he worshiped God. But when we tend to our worship in that way, what happens is we build up giant killers, right? So when we see David, when he worshiped God, something was happening in the wilderness. Something was happening when he was just tending after sheep. He was being strengthened. And when he took care of just sheep, when he, when he considered that important as well, when he went after those things that would rob his sheep, God actually was preparing him for a greater assignment. God was preparing him for those giants that needs to be killed. So remember, our worship, even in our closets, is so important because we are being raised up to kill the giants that would come in our lives, to kill the giants that would stand in the land and would come against our God, right? 
So now when we also tend to our moral value system, our ethics, like how um, when, we, when we align that to the plumb line of the word, our moral values and our ethics has to be in standard to the word, cannot be in standard to the, to the world, right? And as we do that, as we tend to that, as we see what does the word say on, on issues. Now we live in a generation that there are so many issues that are coming up, so many issues. And if we look at the word and if we align our moral and our value systems to that, like kind of like how Daniel and his friends did, what happens is that we are building a person that will not bow their knee to false gods, that will not bow down or bend under pressure to the worldly systems. When things come your way, you know, you know what is right and what is wrong. So we, it's important to tend to that. When we tend to our marriages, what happens is we are building a home where there is security, right? Security not only for us and our spouse, but for our children. And it becomes the crucible, our homes become a crucible where we can host the kingdom of God. Isn't that, isn't that awesome, the picture of that, right? Like where we are able to host the kingdom of God in our families because we are able to tend to our marriages. So whether we think or whether we are aware of it or not, we are constantly building. Even right now, as we sit here, we are building something, each of us. So, because why? We are wired to build. That's, what who, that's who our God is. And we as sons and daughters, we are walking in that identity. We see what our Father does and we follow. So each of us here are wired to build. Now, we can either be building right now, right? What are we building in our lives? Are we building a habit of consistency? Or are we building a habit of laziness and procrastination? Okay, some of us have that habit, right? <laughs> um, and we think, you know what, that's not a big deal. But consistency matters. Consistency in everything that we do matters. And even though we think, you know what, it's not, it's just one thing after the other. But if you get up in the morning and we have a habit of consistency, it seems better. Life seems a little bit better, a little bit more easier because we've accomplished a task. Right? We've heard, um, there was a U.S. Gen um, general, and he said, you know, they, he's a five-star general, and they've asked him, how did you accomplish all these things, and what was, the, what was your secret, secret for all your success? And he said, "Is I woke up every morning and made my bed. See, that was the first thing that he did, because that built a pattern of consistency in his life. So... What are we building? Do we have consistency in our lives? Do we, are we consistent with the word? Are we consistent in our closet time with the Lord? All of that matters, right? Are we building an altar at home or are we building a culture at home where the altar is in shambles? See, if you look at um, Abraham, wherever he went, he built an altar. It was very important to him. He moved to a new place. The first thing he did, he, he built an altar to the Lord. So what's happening in our homes? Are we building an altar at home? Or are we building a culture at home where the altar is in shambles? Are we building a mindset where everything is worship unto God? Everything, not just on Sunday. Are we building a mindset where everything is worship unto God? And that includes, like, if you're a student, right? Is your education a worship unto God? If you are a mom at home, is, is your home chores a worship unto God? If you are out at work, is work a worship unto God? Or are we building a mindset of defeat, right? So the, these are the things. So currently, so if we don't know or not, we are all called to build and we, none of us is exempt. None of us in this room are exempt. Can't say, oh no, we are not builders. We are all builders and we are building something even right now as we speak. So I want to turn your attention to somebody who's very familiar with building. Okay, let's turn to Nehemiah 1, 3 to 4. They said to me, this is Nehemiah saying, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. 
The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. We know this passage about Nehemiah. And this is what Nehemiah says, right? The exiles had come to him and had said, the walls are broken down and the gates are burned with fire. Now, we see a man that when he received this news about the walls and the gates, that he actually sat down and wept. Now, he did not weep for just a few minutes or for a few hours, but he actually sat and wept for days. Now, why would somebody sit down and weep over gates that are burned down and walls that are broken down? The remnant of Israel at this point has already come back, right? And they've already built a city. They've built a city, they've built the temple, the temple is already built. But Nehemiah knew that the purpose of gates and the purpose of the walls was to protect what was inside, right? And even though they had a city that was built, even though the temple is already built, the whole city was vulnerable to attack just because the walls were broken and the gates were burned down. And that is the reason why we see him fasting and mourning and praying because of this. Now there's two sides of the coin here, right? If we take a look at our own lives, we have to protect that which God has given to us to steward. Each of us have something that God has given, like how we said, there's something that God has given us to tend. And it is up to us to protect that and we have to be aware, what are those things that are going to make those things that God has given us vulnerable to attack? We gotta find those things and then make sure that nothing creeps in and we keep a wall around it and keep gates on it, okay? We are called to be watchmen over our lives and, and over those things that God has entrusted to us. We cannot be found asleep at the helm, thinking that, you know what, somebody else is going to take care of what we've been given. We cannot, it's not, it's not somebody else's job. God did not, if it was somebody else's job, God would have given it to them. But God has looked at us and he saw us worthy, he counted us worthy and said, you know what, I am entrusting you with this thing. And God knows what to give in our hands. And he knows that we are very capable of doing it with him not in our own strength, right? So he's given it to us and he said, take, you are the gatekeeper of this. And he asked us, just like he asked Adam, he asked us to tend it. Tend and take care of it. Build, build what God has given to us. Secondly, there's the other side of the coin here. Nehemiah, for him, it was a big deal that the gates were broken down and the walls were broken, right? And you can see him, he's so distraught over this. He's so distraught over his city's gates been broken. Now this is not like some wall or a gate to his own personal home. This is about his city. He didn't have to care about it. He didn't have to care about his city. He didn't have to care about what concerned his fellow beings, like his fellow uh, people. But yet that actually concerned him. So there are two things that we've got to watch here, right? Two areas. One is look at our lives. What are those things that um, has been entrusted to us where walls have been broken down, okay? And then who are the people that God has put in our lives that he's entrusted to us that we need to look at? See, many a times we get stuck in our own brokenness and we get stuck in that rut. And all our eyes is, is upon our own brokenness. But one, what we fail to realize is there are some times and God has pulled us out of our brokenness and he's given us victory in that area, right? And if we keep focusing just on our brokenness, we are not able to see the fellow, our fellow member or our fellow being and see that that gate is broken. Oh, you know what? I had got victory in that area. I can help them. We are unable to see it because we are just stuck in our own brokenness. So there's two things. Be aware of walls that protect your stuff that God's entrusted to you and the people that God has given to you. Let's continue to look what Nehemiah did, right? So once he heard this news, the first thing he did is he repented. 
He repented for the sins of his nation and he prayed. And when he prayed, he remembered God's principles as he prayed. And then the third thing is he took action, right? So when we find ourselves, like if we think about it, like, you know, just think of what all God has given to us. If we find out that there are some things in our lives that are broken down, either if it's your relationship with God or good relationships or something good that is supposed to bring fruit in your life that is broken, what do we do? We, one, repent. Two, we are going to pray. And third, we are going to take action. Right? And Nehemiah set his heart and his mind. Now, he, he goes before the king. The king was able to recognize, is there something wrong with Nehemiah? And so he asks and, you know, he is given the, he has favor now to go and build the walls. And we see that he's decided in his heart to go and build this wall. And he goes to Jerusalem, he takes a look, he surveys the area. And as we read in chapter 4, verses 1, okay, it says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Can you guys like sense the, like the hate and the anger and the opposition that's coming out from the, from the enemy here, right? So the enemy immediately got wind that somebody has come to build walls and someone has come to build the city up, right? And, and the minute they heard it, opposition started. The minute we decide in our lives that, you know, we are going to build, there will be opposition that comes, right? So if you think about it, if we leave things as they are, things that, you know, we leave it broken, they are unbuilt, um, the enemy would actually care less. The enemy does not care if your walls are broken down, if you're not stewarding what God has given you, he won't care. But the minute you decide, that you are going to get up and build, that you are going to take action. And you don't even have to start building. You just have to decide. Just that decision that you make, right? He's going to, he's going to start coming against you. And it said here that the enemy was not just angry. He was incensed. He was enraged. He was really mad. And that's sometimes what happens in our lives that if, we, we, if you think about it, right? We decided and all hell breaks loose, everything. You know, the minute you decide you're going to start your day at rest and start your day, you know, in communion with God, everything goes bad, right? And, um, you know, and you make that a priority, nothing will work, nothing will work. Everything will go wrong. The minute you take an action or you even decide to, you know what, you know, I don't want this habit in my life or I don't want this addiction in my life. He'll, he'll just bring people around you and surround you with that, right? And the minute you decide you want to do something for the kingdom, you always are going to grab the attention of the enemy, okay? So I want to, I want to encourage you, if you find yourself in opposition, don't worry, you're in the right place, you're doing the right thing, okay? Um, let's see, continue to see what happens. Nehemiah 4.3 says, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. So now the enemy is not just enraged that, you know, you have started or you've decided to build. He's actually now taunting you, right? There's a ridicule that's coming. And, he, and it's not just a battle that's in your head in private. Like, you know, we all sometimes struggle with thoughts and um, thoughts in our heads. Are we worth it? You know, we've, we've seen that. We've all been there with of that mental struggle. It's not just mental struggle here. Here in front of people, right, in front of Nehemiah's associates, in front, he's actually leading now a group of people. In front of all of them, here comes ridicule and taunts. And the enemy actually attacked the quality of the work that they were doing. Right? It says here, even if a fox were to climb this wall, it's going to break it down. 
they're not building a wall out of sticks. They're building a wall out of bricks. And yet he's, you know, the ridicule, you see that? Oh, even if a fox climbs on it, it's not an elephant, it's a fox. Even if a fox just climbs on it, they're gonna break it down, right? So if anybody in this place of like ridicule and taunts, um, when we start building, it's okay, it's okay. Continue to build, right? So whenever, whenever you decide to build and God deems that, you know what, this thing needs to be built and these things need to come alive in our lives, don't worry about the taunts. Don't worry if the enemy is enraged. But what do we do? What do we do when we are faced with the ridicule and taunts? Nehemiah's immediate response is prayer. Okay? His prayer. We see him always praying. I was, I was, I was really encouraged by this man. Man, he started off, he started off in prayer. He went to the king, he, started, he was in prayer. Like, you know, for everything was constant. His immediate and first response is always prayer. And, and then he says in four verses six, we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. Yeah? So first response, pray. That is vital. It's, prayer is a vital weapon given to us. Pray. And second, continue to do the work with all your heart, not haphazard. Not, not discouraged, but continue to build, continue to build, because you know what it says in 6, 1 through 4, and I'm going to read it, it says, now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Jeshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up doors upon the gates. That Sanbalat and Jesim sent to me saying, come, let's meet together in some of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. What was his response? I am doing a great work. I don't have time for you, enemy. I don't have time for your taunts. I don't have time for your ridicule. I don't have time, right, for what all you can throw to me. I don't have time. Why? Because I am doing a great work. Can we believe, can we believe in our hearts that what God has entrusted to us is great work, great work, no matter what. It might not look like your fellow being, like your fellow believer. The work that God has given them might differ than the work that God has given you. Does not mean that your work is not significant. You are significant and your work that God's given you is great. So we cannot check ourselves out, you know, already thinking that what we are doing is insignificant. We cannot do that. And if we find ourselves, you know, in either in comparison mode, that is the greatest thing that will kill off any of our joy in anything that God gives us is when we start to look at our work that God's given us and we start to compare it with somebody else. One is going to kill the joy and second it's going to like kill the significance of what God has given to you to build. Yeah? So every part of the body here is needed. None of us can say he's got an important part of the wall to build and I don't. If you look at Nehemiah, if you read that, there, are, there were people's names that were called as to who built what part of the wall. Like certain bu people built the sheep gate, certain people built this gate, um, you know, somebody just took care of the doors. So you see, everybody had a part to build the wall. So we all are not just doing mere work, okay? We are not just here to just exist and leave the day God calls us home. That's not what we are called to do. We are called to occupy till Jesus comes. That is the work of the church. Not to just escape hellfire. Not to just escape, be like, you know what, okay guys, you know, okay, I'm cool. I've got it, I've got it all like figured out and even if problems come, I'm going to a better place. No, we've called, we are called to stay put and to occupy the area that God has given us and to realize that we are impacting everything. In everything that we do, we leave um, our impact. We leave our hand marks, our handiwork on it, no matter what, whether we are building good or building bad, right? We leave an impact. And we have to realize that we are here to leave a legacy. We are here to do 
good work. We are here and our work that God's given us is great and we are going to leave a legacy. That's what God's called us to. We are going to occupy till Jesus comes. Occupy till heaven comes here on this earth. Till the culture of heaven becomes the culture around us. Yeah? So let's continue reading um, 6, 7 to 8. Um, this is okay. It says here, when Sanbalat, Tobia, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashod. Right, if you see here, can you see the number of people, like the enemies increasing? In the beginning it was just Sanbalat, it was just Tobia, and then joined the Arabs, and then came the Ammonites, and then came now the people of Ashod, right? There's so many people just increasing. So when you feel that the battle is intensifying, right, remember you are still at the right path. Okay, here what happened is they now came with a whole army to fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble in it, right? Now the battle is, it's not just taunts, it's not just ridicule, it's not just where the enemy is fighting your identity or the quality of work that you're building. He's now en enlisted an entire army to come against you. What do you do? Nehemiah 4.9 Right, we prayed to our God and posted guard day and night to meet this threat, okay? So posting guards, guards are kind of like intercessors, right? They are the ones that link arms with you. It's not just you, it's an intercessor with you. Do you have an intercessor with you? Are you linking arms with somebody else that, can, that has your back, okay, in prayer, that has your back in whatever issues that come in your way? So having an intercessor is important. And being an intercessor for each other is vital in this. Because Nehemiah could not build this wall by himself, right? He needed families. He needed like-minded people that actually believed in the same vision that he had. And he actually linked arms with them. And here you can see that he posted people by families. Every family was given a job to do. Not one family was kept aside and said, you know, that you, you guys are not important. So right now it's time for all hands on deck, okay? The places we are, the, the, the time we find ourselves in, it's time for everybody to come in. As families join with other families in this great work, and as we stand in our authority, and as we stand as a governing body on this earth, what's going to happen is the people are going to start responding. Culture is going to start responding to the culture of heaven in us, right? So it is important to realize that all of us are important, right? So he had intercessors. He had people joining him with him. The next it says that 413, I stationed some people behind the lowest points of the wall at exposed places, right? So those places are the weak areas. So one, you have intercessors linking arms with you. Second, those areas that you are weak, that you know that there are weakness in your life. What do we do? We are going to make that our strength, right? We are going to make sure that those exposed areas, those areas that are weak no longer remain as our weakness, okay? We are not called to um, always be falling in the same weak points, okay? We are, not a, we are not a weak people. We gotta realize that we are overcomers, right? But the word says we are more than overcomers. If we are an overcomer, that is sufficient enough, I think. But here it says you are more than an overcomer. That is your identity, right? Ephesians says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. We have, we have become more than an overcomer because the spirit of God that lives in us. Yeah, we are people of power. We fail to realize that, but we are people of power. We have people of sound mind and of love, right? And then it says here, um, Nehemiah verses um, four to 12, four verses 12, it says, the Jews who live near them came and told us, wherever you turn, they'll attack you. And so what did they do? From 16 to 18, we can see what they did. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears and shields, bows and armor. So what we do, the third thing is we built 
with our weapon in hand. Don't forget that we have an armor. We are not, God did not leave us in this world without an armor, right? Ephesians 6.10, it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that we can take our stand against the devil's scheme, right? And we know that when the day of evil comes, verse 13 says, therefore put on the whole armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. It is important that we put on our armor. It is not just, um, the armor is not just for the leadership. It's not just for our pastors. It's for each of us, right? Each of us need to be equipped because we are doing great work. We need to build with a weapon in hand. And it says, pray in the spirit at all occasions and with all prayers and requests. And remember to always keep praying for the Lord's people. Right? You see that intercession thing coming again. We are called to link arms and to stand together in the building of what God has called us to build. See, every generation has been called to build. God does not skip a generation. If you look at Abraham, he was called to build altars. Jacob, he was called to build the foundation of a, of a great nation. And Joseph, he was called to build a system that would preserve nations. Right? David, he built a pattern of worship. And the apostles, he, they built on the foundation, they built the church on the foundation of Christ Jesus. And we in this generation have been given that same mandate to continue to build. Right? And if we don't build, what happens if we don't build? We will find somebody else building ungodly things in our place. If we don't rise up and we say, you know, this is not important, Somebody else is gonna come and build, and they may not build godly things. And so, it is time to arise and build. It is time to build our families. It's time to build future generations. And if we are not building, we cannot expect God to bless anything, right? Because he's not going to bless something that is not there. He's not going to bless emptiness. He's going to bless what we start. What do we start? Even if we fail, we're always failing forward, right? We're not failing backward, you're failing forward with the Lord's help. So how do we build? We are always gonna invite God to come in and build with us, right? It says, Psalms 127, one says, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders build in vain, right? Hebrews 3, 4, it says, for every house is built by some man, but he that builds all things is God. So we are going to invite God into our building process. We cannot do this on our own, right? We're gonna build on the word. It's in Matthew 7, God, um, Jesus talked about those parables, right? The, the, he says, anyone who hears the word of God and listens and takes it and builds on it, it's a wise man that builds. And you can have whatever come, let the storm come, let the rain come. And that's, that's a picture of where we are, right, in our lives. If we listen to the word of God and build on the foundation of the word, no matter what comes, and trouble will come, it's not that it will not come, right? It says, no weapons formed against you shall prosper. It did not say that weapons will not come. Weapons will be formed against you, but what will happen? They will not prosper, yeah? Amen? Yeah, that's our go-to word. Weapons formed against us will not prosper. We build on the word. No matter what comes our way, we are gonna be able to stand. Build in the knowledge of God. Because it says here, Colossians 1:11 says, God helps us to bear fruit in every good work. Grow in the knowledge of God. Grow means build, build up. As we grow to know somebody, right? We build up our relationship with them. So we've got to build our relationship with God on the word and in communion with him. Is how we build. Next, we got to build in prayer. As we see in Amaya, constant, he's constantly praying. And even in the armor, right, we all forget that part. We all see the whole armor, like the helmet, the breastplate, up to our feet is covered. But it says in the end, and stand in prayer. We've got to pray. Because as we pray, we are going to shift atmospheres. We are going to shift things around us. It's going to be our first response. Prayer has to be our first response, not our last resort. 
not after thinking, oh, what can I do? Who can I run to? Who's going to help me? Oh, okay, okay, nothing's going to work. Okay, let me just pray. No, it's our first response, right? We're going to build with integrity. We're going to be people of integrity, and we're going to build without compromising the word of God. If you read Nehemiah 5, go home, if you go home and read that, we see Nehemiah finding the people doing things that were not according to the law. They were enslaving their, their own fellow beings back again, right? And we know that God, um, the king made him the governor of Jerusalem at that point. And he did not do things the same way previous governors did. Because the previous governors did not go according to what their law is, right? So we are not going to build based on what we see around us. Don't take cues from the world. Don't take cues from worldly systems or from culture. Instead, take our cues from the word of God, right? So we are going to build an integrity without compromising the plumb line of the word of God. And right now, we find a lot of things in our culture, we find a lot of things in our world where things are becoming acceptable. Even from the pulpit, things are becoming acceptable that God does not want. Are we, are we like you know, Paul says, do your work, go back to the word, go back to the word, and, and see whatever being taught to you, is it right, right? And then build yourself on the word. And then we gotta build also taking heed on how we build. Right? Are you building something that will last? Are you building something that will you know, leave a legacy? If you turn your attention to 1 Corinthians 3 verses 10, it says, but let every man take heed how he builds. We are all building on the foundation of Christ, but the material we use matters. Right? Because some, we have different materials. It's in, in verse 12 it says, some build on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw. But their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So what material are we using to build? What are the intentions of our heart? Right? God sees the intentions of our heart as we build. And this is where we need to invite the Holy Spirit in. Because we might think, okay, this is good, this is probably gold, but it may not be gold, right? So we got to invite the Holy Spirit and be very intentional to have the Spirit of God help us in build so that we can build on the foundation of Christ. We are all building on the foundation of Christ. But as we come on that day, as we stand before the Lord, that so we are not, we don't find ourselves where our entire work has gone in flames, right? So we've got to build, invite the Holy Spirit into our building process, okay? So what happens as, as we build? What is the result of building? Why is this important, right? Let's go back to Nehemiah 6, verses 16. It says, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God, right? So when we tend to what God has entrusted us, when we continue to build what God has asked us to build, we actually put fear in the heart of the enemy, yeah? And the enemy loses his self-confidence. See, many a times we are afraid. As Christians, we are afraid of the enemy. We are afraid of what the enemy is gonna do, right? But if we build godly, if we build, what happens is in the midst of whatever the enemy throws at us, we are going to weaken the confidence of the enemy. Imagine the enemy actually sees a whole group of people that have built right, right? And knows how to build right and are tending to what God has given them and trusting it. The enemy has no place to come in. You actually weaken the stronghold of the enemy and the structures that the enemy wants to build. We weaken it, right? So it's really important. If the church don't arise, someone else will arise in its place and it's not going to be godly, right? So we are called to build, stand together and build because we will weaken the confidence of the enemy as we build, right? God has called us um, 
And that what happens is that as soon as that spreads from our individual family, from individuals, as we as individuals are built, when our families are built, when our church and our community is built, we end up building nations, right? And we see that throughout history. We see that with Daniel. We see that with Joseph, right? We see how um, because they stood and because they built, what happens? Nations, pagan, pagan kings arouse and said, Let's follow their God, right? This is the picture. That's in the Old Testament. Imagine the power that God's given within us now. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So as we build, what we do is we weaken the confidence of the enemy. Those structures that the enemy wants to build, he has no place to build. So remember that we are here to occupy. We are not just here to escape, um, you know, escape uh, hellfire and then go to heaven. We are here to occupy. We are the governing, governing ecclesia. We are the ones that are to, to rule. Okay? So we cannot be a generation. We are called to be a generation that will not back, that will not back up. We are called to stand in the midst of whatever the enemy throws at you. And we are the ones that are going to build with a resolve. Amen? So Think about, I want us all to take a moment and think, what has God entrusted in your hand? What has he given you? There is nothing of insignificance. Nothing is small that he has given you. If, even if we think it is small, it's not small in the eyes of God. What has he given you? What has he entrusted with you that you are not tending? That you have, um, that the walls are broken down, right? Let's take Let's take time and think, how can we build? And let's build, yeah? Let's ask God, God, forgive me for not building. Forgive me for thinking that I'm insignificant. Forgive me that what I thought that you have given in my hand is insignificant. And let's ask the Lord, like, let's make the decision. Like, you know, from now on, I'm going to build. I'm going to build what God has given in me. I'm going to leave a legacy. We are all legacy carriers whether we realize it or not, we are legacy carriers. And we are going to represent the kingdom of God well. We are going to stand up and weaken the confidence of the enemy in our homes, in our, in our personal life, in our homes, in our nation. And as we stand, as a church stands this way, nations are going to respond. And I believe that this time now where God is going to not just move in you know, in one nation at a time. No, it has to be a worldwide thing. It has to be a worldwide thing because the time is short and it has come to that point. The harvest is rich. The harvest is time. It's time for the harvest. It's time for us to stand up and arise and build. We cannot, know, you know, stand and say, or put ourselves off on the side and say, I'm not significant, I'm not needed. So if you can all just um, pray together with me, if you all can just arise and let's just pray. Father, we say yes to what you have called us to build, God. We ask you for forgiveness for when we have thought that what you have given in our hands is not significant, Father. God, we are here and we say yes and amen to your plans. We say yes and amen to what you want to do in and through our lives, God. Father, I ask you that you would prepare us, that we would be builders, just like how you are a builder, just like how you build broken things in our lives, God, things that need to come alive. And I speak over everything that needs to come alive. Let it come alive in the life, in every single one of our lives, God. Things that you think is important, that you deem is to be alive, we call forth, God, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come with your breath, that you would come with your breath and breathe upon those things that are dead. Breathe upon those embers that are dying, those passions that are dying, God. Breathe over us, God. I thank you that you have made us a generation to walk with the fire of God inside of us. A generation that is called to build, to build godly systems. Father, we say not on our watch. We will not, we will not let ungodly things be built in place of what we are to build, God. We say yes to godly things to be built. 
we say yes father god to what you want to build in our lives god father we say yes for your kingdom and your culture your the heaven to invade our lives god father we say yes to a generation that will weaken the confidence of the enemy when the enemy comes to build something they will look at this generation will look at this church and say no we cannot build there where the self confidence of the enemy is weakened the fear of god is put in the enemy's hearts because of of who we are and because we are in this place father we thank you god that you've not given us a spirit of fear but of power of love and of sound mind and we say yes to your agenda god we say yes to you we say yes to taking up the baton we say yes lord we shake off god we shake off laziness and we shake off procrastination we shake off those things that would try to bring us down we shake off those mindset that are not of you we shake off those things that can easily stumble us god and we say no to that we say no we arise we arise and we say yes that we are going to build in jesus name shikharama sokhora bashe tera rabose ke father we build with you we say yes to you father we welcome you holy spirit to come breathe upon us god thank you father god we thank you for this church we thank you for the leaders of this church Thank you that you have called them as builders that they are building a legacy in this place that they are building stone upon stone that they are building with you God that they are building structures of worship unto you Father we thank you that they are building Father God things that would bring honor to you Father we thank you we love you Jesus we honor you in this place Father In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for a live celebration service at 11 a.m. at youtube.com/pastorpreji. God bless you and have a blessed week.